Hello, and this is Melanie C. from Oregon, preempting this big book study recording today with an encore announcement. If you missed it yesterday, you're in luck. You get to hear it again. When a vision for you records, we all know that there is something big going on, something important. So if you're all set, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it's convention time again. Yep, reboot it. On behalf of all of you, a vision for you presents the power of the big book 2017. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, September 15, 16, and 17, 2017, at the Marriott Hotel, Liberty International Airport, Northern New Jersey. You can re register today. Registration and hotel reservations for this convention can be made today on our website at www.avisionforyou.info. More details about information on this convention will be available soon. Don't miss out and register today. Over to you, Larry. Thanks. Hey, we're going to Joyzee. I love it. <laughs> Thanks, Melanie. All right, well, let's get started here. Good morning and welcome to uh, Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Larry Kay, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater who's going to be in Joyzee in September, hopefully, God willing. Today is Friday, and it is, what is the date today? You threw me up there, Melanie. Today is Friday, January 27, 2017, and uh, uh, today we're going to be reading from, of course, the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, and we're currently on page two, uh, the first paragraph starting with, I took a night law course. The uh, <clears throat> Today's readers, uh, we have Mary B. on the 12 steps, we got Lorraine W. on the 12 traditions, and the readers of the text, Chris G., Julie R., and Arini M. The uh, reference number for yesterday, uh, Thursday, January 26th, is 9517. That's 9517. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, <clears throat> OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence in the practice of the 12 steps and <clears throat> the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask my friend Mary B. from California to read the 12 steps. Good morning, Mary. Good morning again, Larry. It is Mary B., Gratefully recovered from Central California, but currently in Yuma, Arizona. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves 
could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for the opportunity to be of service. Thank you, Mary. Okay, we got some traditions here. Lorraine, will you read us these 12 traditions? Yes, I will. Thank you, Mary. My name is Lorraine, and thank you for recovering here in Pennsylvania. 12 traditions. Number one. A common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are the trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do this service. Hey, thanks, Lorraine. Okay, how does our meeting work here? Well, our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. 
anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we're discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There's no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. So today we're picking back up uh, on page two in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We're in Bill's story. And we're reading from the first paragraph starting with I took a night law course. And Chris G, will you get us started? Sure. Thank you, Larry. Good morning, everybody. This is Chris G, Recover Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. I took a night law course and obtained employment as investigator for a surety company. The drive for success was on. I'd proved to the world I was important. My work took me about Wall Street. Little by little, I became interested in the market. Many people lost money, but some became very rich. Why not I? I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. Though my drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. Well, <laughs> um, I'm just going to hone in on on the arrogance and self-sureness and um, the line that says, I'd prove to the world that I was important, and I can so relate to that. Um, as, as a compulsive overeater, as an addict, I, I needed to prove to myself that I was important. I needed to prove to myself that I was worthy. And uh, like, like Bill here, I, you know, I, I took courses, I got degrees, I did everything I could, I, I, I became I got involved with leadership, and um, and it was never enough. It was never enough, and I was lying to myself. Um, I'm I uh, I'm just so struck by by the language in this paragraph, the majestic constructions, and I used to feel that way when I was you know giving my messages in my community and. And feeling my importance and deep down inside what the food was covering up for me was my feeling of unimportance, my feeling of unworthiness, my feeling of insecurity. And um, now, now that I can be truly of service as a servant, a humble servant, um, just carrying this message, I don't need a degree for that. I don't need... um, I don't need to have knowledge. I just need to know what it means to take, to, to be recovered. I just need to know what it means to work these steps in a humble 
way uh, that keeps me connected and spiritually fit and connected to my fellowship, connected to my higher power. And I keep telling myself as I, as I'm living a recovered life in steps 10, 11, and 12, I keep telling myself, Oh, I have a good idea to do this or to do that. And right away, thank you, God. He, she, it cleanses my mind of that need to, to, to use my energy in foolish ways and to just stay in the simplicity of a recovered life. It is so freeing. And I just invite everybody to, to join me. And, uh, and I'm just so grateful to walk, walk this road with everybody. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Chris. Okay, let's get this party started. Who wants in on the dance floor? Linda here? R. This Linda is R. Bella. Can I share? Nessie R. R. Chrissy G. All right. You should see my handwriting. It's horrible. Okay, here's <laughs> who I got. <laughs> I heard Linda, Bella, Harlan, Nessa, Chrissy. Who else did I miss? Leah M. Katie F. Leah, Katie. Carmela okay. G. Carmela. Okay. Let's go with that for now. How about we go with this uh, group here? We'll start out with Linda, followed by Bella. Linda, good morning. Oh, Linda, I can't hear you. Good morning, Larry. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Good morning. Hi. Thanks so much for your service. I always enjoy your sense of humor. You're, you really crack me up. Thank you. You you are the joy of this program. Anyway, um, thank you. This is Linda R. Recovered in South Florida. I'm just very grateful to be hearing this on the line today. The, the paragraph that was read today, I really relate to. When I came into the program, I was so empty inside. I didn't know what was really missing in my life, but I call it the hole in my soul. I went to school I got I have so many degrees so many degrees I kept going and going and going because I had to prove that I was okay very competitive because in my family of origin I had a genius sister and I was always less than and compared to middle child syndrome the whole scenario so my whole life was the quest to fill this emptiness that I really didn't know why what it was you know until I came into the program, and of course I filled it with the food as well, you know, that's why I'm in the program. So when I came into the program and I started to study, you know, the big book and all the other, you know, tools of the program, I started to refill my spiritual cup. And I just slowly, uh, this, I kept filling it with all the good stuff. I worked the steps. You know, I worked the program. I'm not going to go into my program now. But today I must tell you that I am so my cup runneth over with God, with the fellowship, with the program, with the tools, with, you know, my good orderly direction. And it's so wonderful. Like yesterday, I was standing and just looking at the trees and in awe of this program. And thank you so much for allowing me to share. Thanks so much, Linda. Okay, we have Bella followed by Harlan. Bella, how are you? Good morning. Thank you, Larry. (laughs) Good morning, everybody. My name is Bella G, and I am a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Larry, for doing this wonderful, wonderful service, and thank you very much, everybody on the line. 
wow, I would prove to the world I was important. Yes, before program, I didn't believe in myself. I knew I, I knew that I am a big fat zero. I was angry at myself and everybody else. I was jealous, and I was, you know, I grew up with God, but he really wasn't my higher power, and I was angry at him too. And I knew that, you know, I am not like everybody else. I cannot do diet. I cannot stick with my with my weight. And, you know, I didn't believe in myself. And I wanted so much, so much, this was my life before program, to prove to everybody, to the whole entire world, that I am somebody, that I am not like you think I am. And I would prove also to God that I can do what I want to, and he will not block my success. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. I am not there anymore. And today I, I don't need, I don't need to prove not to, not to the world, not to you, not to God that I am somebody. Today I am connected to a loving, accepting power and not to my ego. And today I know, yes, I am not perfect. I will not be ever perfect. Today I don't want to be perfect. Today I know that I am here a messenger. I am here to give over the message of God. And yes, I don't know everything. I don't know all the time the right, the right thing, the right way. Today, I am not connected to my ego. Today, I don't have this huge feeling that I have to prove who I am. I know who I am and, know, know, and God knows who I am. And this is the way God wants me to be. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thanks, Bella. Okay, we got Harlan followed by Nessa. Harlan, good morning. <laughs> Thank you, Larry. Good morning. Harlan G., recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Perfectly. Larry? Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you. When I read this line, I studied economics and business as well as law. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. It flashes my mind back to a lifetime of dreams and aspirations that I had altered or denied me because of the raging monster of an eating disorder that has had me in its vice grip from the minute I was born. Every dream that I dreamed, every aspiration that I had went up in fat, went up in chocolate. I wanted to be thin. I couldn't do it. I wanted to be successful. I couldn't do it. I wanted to look like the other kids. Couldn't do it. I wanted to run high, run faster, jump higher like the old PF Flyer commercials used to advertise. I wanted to fit in my skin. I wanted to fit in my desk. I wanted to fit in my clothes. I wanted to fit in the world. Bill wanted to prove to the world that he was important. I wanted to prove to the world that I was invisible. My greatest 
joy in life was eating, but the greatest aspiration I had was to be thin, and those two don't go together. I wanted to be invisible. Stop noticing me. Stop torturing me. Stop hurting me. It also says here that Though his drinking was not yet continuous, it disturbed my wife. We had long talks when I would still her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceive their best projects when drunk, that the most majestic constructions of philosophic thought were so derived. The first victim of this illness is the truth. Nothing goes out the window faster when this illness is practiced than honesty. He is lying to Lois. He's lying to himself. I lied to myself. I lied to others. I lied when the truth would have served me better. I wrote bad checks. I did shameful things to manipulate people, people who loved me, and I used their love against them to manipulate them so I could get money for food and money for binging my brains out, which is food, but money to just binge my brains out. I was ashamed of myself when I came in here in 1979. I had become everything I detested in a human being. The only thing that saved me were these steps and this fantastic program. And the power of this program is the only thing more powerful than the illness for me. I hope to see everybody at that convention in September. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Going to Jersey. Thanks, Harlan. Okay, we got Nessa followed by Chrissy. Good morning, Nessa. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, Self-will gets a really bad rap in our rooms. Um, But I don't think the problem is self-will because we do need, I need self-will to become entirely abstinent abstinent. I need self-will to work the steps according to the big book exactly, you know, to the best of my ability. So the problem I don't think is self-will. The problem is self-will run riot. And this is what we see in the first eight pages of Bill's story. You know, I, um, I did a funny little exercise. I circled all the eyes and I tried to count them. And there's so many, like I'm sure that I missed a few and double counted others. But I counted about 120. You know, that's, that, that's a lot of eyes in um, eight pages. And, and like Bill, I, I was also um, determined to succeed. I wanted success. Of course, you know, my, my, my definition of success, just like Bill's was, um, was, was very, uh, distorted, very unrealistic because this is a disease of, of delusion. You know, I thought, I thought I knew it was best for me. I thought I knew it was best for others. I was the boss. I was the boss of me, the boss of you, the boss of him, the boss of her. I thought I was God's gift to earth. And in all this, um, you know, I trampled over my most, my most precious relationships. Um, I, needless to say, I didn't succeed in the way that I thought that I should succeed. I didn't achieve what I wanted to achieve. You know, I was destined to fail from the very, very beginning um, because because of this um, disease of mind and body that I have, but especially because of mine, you know, because of the self-delusion um, that I lived on, that I could control everything, and more importantly, that if, if I did control things, 
everything would be well, I would be happy, and everybody else would be happy, you know. Um, thank God for this process of, of ego deflation, you know, for um, learning, uh, teaching me to, rec to differentiate the true from the false. And now, now I consider myself successful, just as Bill was, success was successful, but not in the way that we originally uh, envisioned, but in a way that is a lot more meaningful, a lot more lasting. Um, you know, a way that is grounded on God, on service to God and service to others, helping other people. And it's such a much better way of living. And I still use my self-will. It's just that instead of self-will run riot, now it's self-will aligned with God's will. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Nessa. Okay, we have Chrissy followed by Leah. Chrissy, good morning. Hi. Can you hear me? Did you did you call I Christy? I can. Yes, I did. Hi, it's Christy G, recovered compulsive overeater and anorexic from New Jersey. I um, I was always trying to find. I identify so much with Bill's story, and I didn't when I first came in at, at 21 into a different program because, I mean, my ambition really was very limited to get the boy that my heart desired to, you know, lose 30 pounds. My experience in another 12-step program and, and having the will to succeed and find myself, I wanted to be able to find myself. I, I love the definition of self-seeking as looking for validation outside myself. So I'm doing all of these things. I'm working double time so that you'll notice me, so that I'll be noticed by the world because I want to see myself back in other people's eyes and for people to tell me who I am. And the bottom line is that I have one identity, and I had an identity crisis. I didn't know who I was. My identity is that I am a child of God, and I found that in this program. That's what I am. I'm a child of God. And so for me, that changes everything. Once I know who I am, then I know what I, um, my purpose is. I know um, that I'm loved. I'm someone's child. I'm a benevolent God's child, and that's my belief, um, and it works for me. I I think that passing that on to other people, and just when I'm working with other people, to be able to show them that it begins, life begins with accepting who you really are and what your identity is in this program, that we're spiritual creatures, having a human experience, and and then the all of the self-seeking, all I mean, it's not that it doesn't happen still today. Yesterday I was a little power-driven. But it's to be able to notice and to come back to self, come back to balance, come back to my true identity, which is a child of God, put on this earth to do his will. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Chrissy. Okay, we've got Leah followed by Katie. Hey, Leah, what are you doing in September? <laughs> I'll be in Joyzee. Good morning. Right. Thank you, Larry, for your service this morning. Potential alcoholic that I was, I nearly failed my law course. At one of the finals, I was too drunk to think or write. And I identify with that. You know, this disease of compulsive overeating had me in its grips from a very, very young age. And, um, you know, much like Bill, you know, I just had a rough time living 
it's hard to be comfortable when all my life I was trying to be somebody, feel like something, aspire to be equal, and desperately need to be superior. You know, there's there's no comfortable, com- you know, there's no comfort in that. So that kept, you know, my hand diving back in over and over again into the contents of a cellophane bag and a bakery box. Um, you know, I was driven. <laughs> I'm I'm fairly intelligent. I was charismatic. I had uh, strengths and abilities. You know, but. Much like the big book talks about, you know, we often possess special abilities, skills, and aptitudes, but we use these gifts to build up a bright outlook and then pull the whole structure on our head, and I relate to that. You know, I worked very hard to graduate early from high school and, uh, you know, apply to Ivy League colleges, uh, and, you know, <laughs> I was so drunk, I was so you know, held imprisoned by my disease of compulsive overeating, I did not go to graduation. I didn't go to my high school graduation. Um, And, you know, my attendance at Ivy League College is just a complete blur. I was unable to see the onset and progression of this illness in, in clear fashion because my distorted view allowed for its continual development. I kept going, you know, if only, when only, you know, when I get to college, it's going to stop. When I get through these, you know, this course, it's going to stop. You know, when, when I get this, uh, you know, achievement, it's going to stop. All these if onlys that never occurred. It never occurred because I kept reframing the disease in order to, um, you know, to continue it. It was like it, I needed an excuse. I was delusional. I was in denial. I was reframing my whole outlook on my life to support my illness. And, you know, thank God for the program of recovery that allows me to have undergone a profound alteration in my reaction to life as a result of these steps, and I no longer need to seek ease and comfort in bags and boxes. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thanks, Leah. Just a gentle reminder, if you're not um, Katie, or um, if you could keep your mute, uh, your, your mute phone. How about your phone muted? That might work, too. Katie, good morning. Good morning. This is Katie F. Can you hear me? I can. Okay, great. Thank you. So um, this is such a great uh, paragraph because it's it's the beginning of, you know, where uh, Bill had to go. And I can relate so well because um, I had that same drive. I'd proved to the world I was important. My work um, took me to Wall Street. Well, my, my work didn't take me to Wall Street, but I had this idea um, in the rooms of OA that I should become a a catering chef. And so somehow I thought that I would be able to, um, if I just, you know, improve this art of eating, um, that I would be able to eat just small amounts and, um, and then walk away, you know, because you still have to eat. I mean, even if you're absent, you still eat food. So, you know, I just um, thought that, and of course, that didn't work. Um, I couldn't just eat whatever, and um, 
and stay abstinent. And this, you know, this disease didn't care what my idea was. This disease didn't care that I thought that I could um, master it somehow by portion control and by um, becoming, you know, uh, a famous um, chef and all those things that I thought were such great ideas, you know, and I wish that, you know, anybody who's on the line, who's just at the beginning of their disease, the way I was, you know, I came to OA the first time in 1975 when I was 14 years old. Um, and unfortunately I walked right back out the door and didn't think about it again for another seven years. Um, so, you know, just like an earlier uh, sharer, I was 21 and uh, when I came back and I still had these ideas that I could lick this with enough, um, <clears throat> with enough motivation and, and knowledge, but you know, it just keeps progressing and that's what happens with Bill. And that's what happened with me that, um, there wasn't anything I could prove to the world because I wasn't surrendered to God. And that's what this took. It took me saying, my ideas do not work. My way doesn't work. Um, and little did I know that this process of surrender and the 12-step process, that no longer would I want to eat those foods. No longer would I want to um, taste everything that's out there that, you know, some fancy place makes. Um, and that's the beauty of this program. I'm not, um, you know, white knuckling, uh, drooling, wishing I could have just one more bite. It's, that's not the way my life is today. And I'm so grateful that I passed. Thanks, Katie. Okay, next we have Carmela. Good morning, Carmela. Hey, Carmela, we can't hear you. Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much for allowing me to share. Good morning. This is Carmela G. from New York, and um, I'm a grateful compulsive overeater and recovery for today, thank God. Um, this paragraph talks to me because I stayed out of program because I was not powerless. I was powerful. I had to prove to the world how smart I was and that I was somebody. And yet down deep, I felt invisible and didn't realize that that was a, a, a result of my powerlessness is that I really did feel not worthy and that I didn't matter. When I went into the program finally after six decades of life, I... I wanted, I had to lose over 100 pounds. And after I started working program, I realized I wanted much more. I wanted to be free. I wanted peace. I wanted to feel love. I wanted to give love. And that's what program did. When I, when I surrendered, the, the first night I met my sponsor, I said, I just want to tell you my credentials. Right now, my credentials mean squat. I am a person who can hand out a, put a hand out and help someone up 
And that gives me joy, and they don't have to know what credentials I have. I am loved perfectly by a perfect being, and I never realized that. And this is the beauty of program, and for this I am grateful for every day. Thank you for allowing me to share. Thanks, Carmela. Okay, who else would like to share on what was read? Sally? Suji. How about one more? Well, I'll jump in there. How about Sally, Melissa, Suji, and and me? Um, just for a short share, and then we'll move on to Julie. Um, Sally, good morning. Oh, Sally, I can't hear you. Okay, I, I, <laughs> I know you have a good voice, but I don't. Thanking you and everything else. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Vision, for you. It's Sally A. Just about recovered. I did my steps six, seven, and eight this morning, and I'm so excited. It feels like Christmas. But I wanted to share why. Why do we need to read this? Why do we need to know Bill's story? This paragraph that's giving us a a snapshot of this man who was so excited about his life and his dreams. And he's sharing with us all of his excuses. And we all are familiar with the many excuses and and the way we framed, as that beautiful word that we heard earlier, the way we framed our illness, the way we, we tried to make sense out of what we were doing to others who watched and then, of course, to, the, to ourselves when we did it secretly because we knew something was wrong. And as he knew, something was wrong. And when we look at this paragraph, perhaps you can, you can compare yourself to other people. You say, well, I never reached 300 pounds. Well, I never reached 400 pounds. Well, I wasn't that bad. Well, I wasn't, I wasn't that drunk. Or I, was, I didn't experience what he experienced. Or do you identify in? And can you hone in on these two words? When drunk, he said, I would steal her forebodings by telling her that men of genius conceived their best projects. When drunk, the lies he told himself. And more importantly, I have to consider the lies that I told myself. All the many twists and turns of the lying that I have told myself through the many, many years. And there's no sign of God anywhere no sign at all of anything spiritual even here we have other pages that highlight the word i but here over and over and over we see he's in his own world i self and ego thanks for letting me share thanks sally uh next we have melissa followed by sue g melissa good morning Melissa, press star one if you would. Hi. Good, good morning. It's Hi. But I didn't, I didn't speak up this morning, so thanks. Oh, you didn't? Oh, I okay. Did I did Thank you. <laughs> okay. Sorry, Melissa. Sorry. Okay. All right, Sue, you're up. I'm hearing things. Good morning. Good morning. This is Sue from Michigan, recovering by the grace of God. Um, my self-esteem was so low. I was offered, my sister offered to send me to college for one semester. 
pay the full price if I would just go. I was so sure I would fail that I didn't go. Um, because I didn't, I didn't want to go through the struggle I had in, in high school with certain, um, like math and science and everything else. So to avoid failure, I didn't try. Um, you know, I'm, I never tried to prove I was important. I knew I wasn't. Uh, I had a sister who was very bright and had almost a photographic memory. And I struggled and cried through my classes in my bedroom. But he made it to Wall Street. Um, Some people lost money, he said, but many people you know, became very rich, and why not him? I never looked for money. Uh, cheapest clothes, uh, just whatever I could afford. I had got a part, you know, I got a job. And I never went through what Bill went through until the next paragraph. But my drinking wasn't continuous, my eating wasn't continuous either. Because um, I didn't start, eating until uh, I was in my 20s. Um, So I didn't struggle with that until the next paragraph. And I admire Bill in a way uh, because he didn't give up, which I did. I didn't learn to persevere and to believe I could do things until I was into the food and into recovery back in the 90s, which I I lost. But um, to tell somebody that you do your best job, your best work, for me to tell somebody I do my, how I do my best work, I, you know, I'm the best mother, I'm, you know, I do the best when I'm eating. What silly stuff. Um, I failed at being a good mother. I failed at everything when the food took over, when the food was more important to me. And I didn't know it because I wasn't in program yet. I didn't know what was going on. Uh, It took me a long time to catch up. It was everybody else's fault. And I noticed that um, Bill at this time never blamed anyone else. He was determined I think he was, I think what I mentioned the other day, he was, I think he was very much um, cross-addicted to education, to business, to working. Uh, he was going to do everything, and he was going to do it well. And I was just the opposite. With that, I, I, I share. Uh, with that, I pass. Thank you. Thanks, Sue. Well, before we move on to uh, to Chris, I will uh, excuse me, not to Chris, to Julie. I'll just take a quick share because I can so relate to to what we read in this paragraph. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader, talks about it being one of his finals. I was too drunk to think or write. You know, I remember. You know, it was an amazing verse. Oh, was yeah, it wasn't Julie, yesterday. Julie, it was. <laughs> if you could, if you could mute your phone, that would be great. This was this was 30 years ago. 
Um, uh, but anyways, I was at a major university, and um, uh, and um, boy, oh boy, I, I was one of those guys, I had great potential. They always told me, oh, Larry, you got great potential, my friend. The thing was, I was too drunk on food, really, to, you know, to be able to explore those things where I had great potential. You know, I would, you know, maybe like Bill, I, I would... I would get to that place where I remember writing for a for our, our school paper. It was a you know pretty large university, and it was very I was very involved in that. And um, boy, oh boy, that was a lot of fun. But I tell you what, I was drunk most of the time on food. And I remember one time I was taking a oh, I was like maybe my junior or senior year, and I was taking a a speech persuasion class. I was looking for kind of a so I thought kind of an easy class. And, and I had a little knack for that and enjoyed, enjoyed that. And I remember taking the final drunk, thinking about food, binged the night before. Um, and I remember when I got done with that final, as I was walking out, the, the, the professor, he pulled me aside. You know, there's still people taking the final, the written final. He pulled me aside and he, he, he took me aside and he whispered and he had a piece of paper folded up. He said, you know, he said, Larry, you have great talent for speaking. He said, I want you to, I, I really appreciate you in class here. This is a guy who's just about retiring, I remember. He said, I want you to call this guy. He's the head of, you know, we have a real strong debate team at this university. I want you to call this guy. And, you know, all I can think about, honestly, as I left the class, and I was appreciative, is, is food. As I walked back to my home, I, I thought about McDonald's. And I couldn't tell you what I did with that piece of paper. I can tell you I threw it out wasn't part of my plan. My mind was on the food and all the heroin that I could get my hands on in the way of my alcoholic foods. I threw a lot of things away, including that piece of paper. So I can relate to this and how grateful I am that I'm maybe, maybe, maybe by the grace of God, no longer a guy just with some real good potential, but maybe I can be of service to God today. So with that, I'll pass. Let's move on. And um, Julie, can you read us the next uh, the next paragraph? Yes, thanks. Hi, this is thanks Julie so R. Recovered, recovered compulsive overeater in California. By the time I had completed the course, I knew that law was not for me. The inviting maelstrom of Wall Street had me in its grip. Business and financial leaders were my heroes. Out of this alloy of drink and speculation, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. Living modestly, my wife and I saved $1,000. It went into certain securities, then cheap and rather unpopular. I rightly imagined that they would someday have a great rise. I failed to persuade my broker friends to send me out looking over factories and management, but my wife and I decided to go anyway. I had developed a theory that most people lost money in stocks through ignorance of markets. I discovered many more reasons later on. Again, I'm Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, the whole thing with Bill's story is to where we can identify. And with Bill, I can identify with ego. I'm going to do it better, easier, faster than anyone else. Um, you know, I, I, I'm in a position, uh, my, my career, if you will, is um, I'm kind of, I work with people all over the world, 
And typically somebody in my position, you know, they have multiple degrees. Well, you know, I have zero degrees because I was going to show people I could do this job without going to school. And, um, you know, that was, I could see Bill that, I mean, even though Bill had degrees, but it was work, work, work. I got to prove, I got to prove to the world that I'm not a piece of crap, you know, that I'm not just a 300 pound woman. I know how to do my job. And even when I wasn't 300 pounds, when I was at a normal body weight, yet another diet or, you know, abstinent, not recovered, I had to prove to people all the time that I was the best. And ego is not a great thing for um, somebody to uh, be free of the mental obsession and because it goes hand in hand with me with food, you know, so I always have to, you know, where am I today in my, in my nightly review? You know, where, where was I egotistical? Where was I grandiose? Did I have humility today? Those are the things that um, I get to look at because that's what I'll go to. If I have fear, I'll go have to put myself up and, and be a superstar in everything that I do. I mean, because of that opposite and thank God today, I don't have to live like that. I don't have to go out and prove myself. I'm just me. I'm just Julie. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater only because I'm going to do what I did yesterday today. I'm going to, you know, put my food in a cup. I'm going to live with this big book in my heart, in my soul, and I'm going to go out into the world and see if I could be a little bit nicer than I was yesterday and be of service somehow to my community, to my job. So, yeah, I, I so identify with Bill. You know, I'm going to set my mind out, and I'm going to do whatever I said I was going to do, and I was going to do it better. But yet I had this false humility. I was going to just wait for somebody to say something, and then I was going to say, oh, no, it wasn't that big of a deal. But, you know, I had to work 100 hours to get it. Thank God for this program. Thank God for Bill being who he was and uh, becoming recovered. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Julie. Well, we got time for a couple shares, I believe. Who would like those? Lynn S. Well, Roz. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I heard Lynn and, and Duel. Um, so let's go with That's those. And if you guys would hang out for this, if you guys would hang out for the second, so sorry, so sorry. So Lynn and then Duel, and then if you'd hang out for the second second hour, Lynn. Good morning. Lynn, are you there? Hi, Larry. Can you hear me now? I, I can. I can. Hey, thank you. Good morning, everyone. This is Lynn S., a recovering compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Wow, I just had such an amazing um, flashback. My heart's actually pounding. I can't believe it. And, and I just, it just occurred to me that I was, I was, Every time I started something, I thought, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be different this time. It's going to, this one's going to work out. And I don't mean about diets, <clears throat> excuse me, I mean everything in my life. And it wasn't really because I thought I was better, but I was desperate to find myself. I was desperate to find a place. Surely to God, there's got to be somewhere where I can fit in. And I just remember that, that desperateness, you know, like I, I had to, fit in somewhere. I had to be something. I had to be somewhere there's got to be a place for me. I had to be something other, and I'm just talking about me now, but I had to be something other than this big fat slob 
that that you know was trying so hard to be invisible like you know I'm 140 pounds overweight but I desperately don't want you to see see that there's got to be something other more to me than just this big fat blob um and I just remember so many things I tried, so many things I wanted to do. And, yes, I worked the extra hours and I did all that stuff too because I know, you know, when you're fat, you got to try harder, you got to work harder, you got to put in more hours just to be the same as, not even to be better. And everything I tried, I probably tried with this same, I don't see Bill as being desperate, determination, but I was desperate, absolutely desperate and driven by a hundred forms of desperation and not fitting in and, and God, there's got to be some place for me. Anyway, I just, um, it just came over me so strongly. I remember those years. And uh, thank you, God, with the program of recovery and my ability, you know, and the, um, how it works where it says the results are nil until we let go absolutely. Finally, by working the program, I'm, being, I'm able to let go of that desperate need to find my place and fit in. And just be one among many. Be a person. Be some. Just, just be. Just being is enough in recovery only. Abstinent and in recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lynn. Okay, do wrap us up here. Thank you, Larry. Good morning. This is Stu, Recover Compulsive Overeater from New York. Um, yeah, I, I love these two paragraphs because, you know, it, it goes to show that I'm the last to know that I'm a compulsive overeater. I'm the last to know, you know, what's going on with me. Everybody else knows. You know, Bill's Bill's wife was disturbed. She um, she knew what, what was going on with him. But, you see, I have a disease thinking. I have not only an allergy of the body, but I have disease thinking. And the disease thinking will always tell me, I was going to try every form of self-deception and experimentation to try to prove myself the exception to the rule, therefore non-compulsive overeater. And, and, you know, that's what I see in Bill's story is that, you know, he says out of this alloy of drink and speculation, what was his speculation? The risk that he took, the constant risk that he took with his drinking. The, the constant risk that he took being an addict, because when I'm an addict, I'm an addict through and through. I, I mean, I'm, I'm an addict of wanting more and 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 more. And, and once I start with one, I can't have one. You know, 100 is not enough, and one is too much. And, and that's the risky business that he forged this weapon that would one day, you know, um, would turn flight like a boomerang. It would backfire on him and cut him to ribbons. It would destroy him. It would shred him to pieces. And, you know, and I see that. You know, I see that when I think that I am, I'm, you know, making these alibis and excuses about my drinking and that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be better than, you know, um, in certain situations and thinking that I'm a legend in my own mind, it's, it's going to backfire on me. Because in reality, I'm not those things, you know. Um, I may be relatively successful, but when I'm in my drunk, I think I'm extremely successful, you know. Or it could be the opposite, you know. I'm, I'm not a bad off person. Maybe I make mistakes. But when I'm in my drink, I'm the worst person you ever met, 
you know, and that and those are the extremes that I go to when I'm in disease thinking and disease mode. And you know, it's saying here, you know, that other people know our disease. Other people know what we are before we even realize it ourselves. And so, you know, this process takes us, you know, through getting to know who we are. You know, it it's going to beat us into a state of submission. And um, and the drink does that. The food does that. You know, the addiction does that. And so, you know, I'm so excited to be in Bill's story because it's going to show us that, you know, this is not the end all be all. There is a way out. And the way out is, is outlined in this book and it's outlined in the steps. And with that, I pass. Thanks so much, Stu. And I'm just going to say, if you joined us late, um, Melanie had a great announcement. We have a Vision for You um, convention. September 15th, 16th, and 17th in New Jersey. Um, you can register um, online today. There's the hotel information. It's www.avision4u.info. That's A-V-I-S-I-O-N, the number four, Y-O-U.info. So go on there for more details. Real exciting. So thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And we're now going to close from a, a reading from the big book on page 164. Arini, are you there to read to us? Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Larry, for your service. And good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered. By the grace of God, thank you, God. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you have in God. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.